الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم من خشي الرحمن بالغيب وجاء بقلب منيب سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Today um, I just wanted to address two common questions that come to uh, the minds of people that um, are are traversing the path of suduk and that is what is the goal what is the goal of suduk or what is the goal of tasawwuf what is the goal of tazkiyatun nafs what is but the purpose behind it um, There's a few sub-goals And then there's one uh, primary ultimate goal The ultimate goal is what I'll start with And that is, of course, to please Allah Ta'ala That's it As we go about our life We make a series of choices and decisions And the goal is that every choice and every decision we make for ourselves. Uh, and every thought that goes through our mind and through our heart is for Allah Ta'ala. And pleasing Allah Ta'ala through this will inshallah attain us, uh, will, will inshallah um, work wonders for us in this life and in the hereafter. So the ultimate goal is to please Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. What are the sub-goals? There's a few sub-goals <clears throat> as well. Meaning... And some people relate to to one more than the other. The first is to purify the heart. Is to purify the heart. Over when an, when a when a child is initially born, when an infant is born, they enter into this world with a pure heart. This is the fitrah of the child. And over the course of time either through the environment or either through the person's deeds themselves, they begin to develop characteristics and qualities uh, that are inhuman, if you will, and that are not uh, uh, compatible with, with what the human being should be, uh, should be like. And uh, as a result, it becomes necessary for that person to focus on their heart so that they can purify themselves of the ills and diseases that plague the heart. Now, Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Qur'an, that this is something that we have to prepare for because on the Day of Judgment, our heart is what's going to be, or, or at least one component of the Day of Judgment is that our heart will be presented before Allah Ta'ala and, and whatever is contained within it or whatever we have, this is going to be, um, we're going to be judged for. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran in, in one place that that on, the day, on that day, wealth and relationships won't be of benefit what will be إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَى اللَّهَ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٍ That individual that brings a sound heart toward Allah Ta'ala. In another surah, surah Al-Qaf, Allah Ta'ala says, وَأُزْلِفَتِ الْجَنَّةُ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ غَيْرَ بَعِيدٍ That for the muttaqi, the person of taqwa, Jannah will be brought close to them and uh, it'll no longer be far. It was, you know, for us, Jannah at this particular moment is at a distance from us. Because we don't know when we're going to leave this world. We could be here for 20 or 30 years. And then in addition to that, we don't even know if we're going to leave this world in a state in which we're pleasing Allah. We don't even know if we're going to be in a state of taqwa. We certainly don't know if 
before we leave this world if we'll be in a state of iman or not. Our hope is that Allah Ta'ala preserved this for us, but we don't know. So Jannah is at a distance from us. Allah Ta'ala says, For the muttaqeen, وَأُزْلِفَتِ الْجَنَّةِ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ غَيْرَ بَعِيدٍ It's no longer far for them. هَذَا مَا تُوَعَدُونَ لِكُلِّ أَوَّابٍ حَفِيظٍ This is what was promised to, that, to those people that had you know, constantly turned back and repented to Allah Ta'ala and protected their, uh, their relationship with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. مَنْ خَشِيَ الرَّحْمَانِ That individual who feared and was conscious of the most merciful, meaning Allah Ta'ala. Rahman ibn Ghaybi وَجَاءَ بِقَلْبٍ مُنِيبٍ And who brings to Allah Ta'ala a devoted heart. Right? The qalb again comes again here. The qalb being the, 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 the focal center point of the soul. So we have to work on our hearts before we leave this world. So one of the sub-goals of this is to purify the heart. One of the sub-goals of this is to purify the heart of its ills, its diseases, etc. And this can be challenging. You know, we've heard about various, you know, different diseases of the heart. We've heard about various different um, uh, ills of the heart. Uh, a person over the course of time begins to then work on these. Uh, and it's not something that can be just simply read about in a book and then you one day decide that I don't want to be angry anymore. For instance, anger. Anger, uncontrolled anger, is a disease of the heart. And it isn't that a person can read about this in a book and decide one day that, you know what, I'm just going to, from now on, I'm no longer going to be angry. I'm just going to control my anger. Jealousy or envy. This is a disease of the heart. A person wants what someone else has at the expense of what that person has. A person can't just read about what jealousy is like in a book and then decide one day that, you know what, enough is enough. I'm no longer going to be jealous or envious of anyone else. It's just not possible. It requires training. It requires time. It requires effort. It requires the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala. And it requires feedback from someone who has worked on themselves to remove these ills from their heart. There is, uh, you know, miserliness. This is an ill of the heart. You know, holding on to uh, things. Thinking that, you, that that wealth that you have is yours and you should never spend it on anyone else. And you can ask. I mean, some you can you can read about miserliness in a book. You can read about the importance of giving, 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 and giving for giving, giving other people from the wealth that you've been given. But it, it isn't that one day you could just wake up and decide that you know what I'm no longer going to be miserly. I'm going to give my wealth in the, in the, in the, for for any righteous cause that comes before me. This doesn't work that way. Pride is another one. It isn't something that can just be read about in a book. One day you read about what pride is like and decide you know what from going forward I'm no longer going to be I'm not no longer going to have pride in my heart. It doesn't work that way. It requires effort, it requires time, and it requires dhikr. And if a person's serious about removing these ills from their heart, then they have to put in the time and they have to put in the effort. Now certain diseases are easier to maybe navigate independently than other diseases. Or, let's put it this way, certain diseases and ills are easier to identify than other diseases and other ills. Especially when we're looking at our own heart. Um, when we're looking at our own heart, certain diseases may be a little bit easier to identify. So for instance, heedlessness. Heedlessness is a disease of the heart where a person isn't able to remember Allah Ta'ala or they are heedless of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. They go about their day when they're at the store, they're not thinking about Allah. When they are at work, they're not thinking about Allah. When they are with their families, they become heedless of Allah. Some people are in such a diseased state of heedlessness that even when they are in the masjid in the company of other people that are remembering Allah, their hearts are not able to remember Allah Ta'ala. 
So heedlessness is a disease of the heart. The average person is able to tell when they look back at themselves in order to identify this disease. They'll say that, you know what, I know I'm heedless of Allah. I'm definitely missing my prayers. I'm heedless of Allah. I mean, if I'm heedless of Allah, sorry, if I'm missing my prayers, then I'm most certainly heedless of Allah. If I am, uh, you know, sinning in a particular way, then most certainly I have heedlessness of Allah. Or uh, even in just my own life, I can tell that I am not engaged in the remembrance of Allah. So heedlessness, a person can identify perhaps without too much difficulty, or jealousy or envy. A person can identify it within themselves often, oftentimes. They can just say that, oh, you know what, every time I see that someone else has something or that particular person has something, I always want it for myself when it's, when it's of the dunya. You know, I see someone, you know, I see a nice car on the road and every single time I'm thinking, why can't I have that car? Why does that person get to drive that fancy car? A person can identify this within their life. It just, you don't have to, uh, it doesn't require too much introspection and doesn't necessarily require uh, a glance uh, or uh, uh, someone else to view this for you. Uh, there's anger as well. Anger is something that you could say is not as challenging to identify. A person can typically tell when their anger is uncontrolled. In fact, this is why most people, when they, if, if anyone approaches me with problems that they're dealing with with regards to diseases of the heart, anger is almost one is probably one of the most common ones that people bring up, you know, to any of the mashayikh. Why? Because it's easily identifiable. A person knows when every time they get home, they go home and they yell at their parents, or every time they go home, they yell at their wife. Every time they go home, they they yell at their kids. You know, it's, it's easily identifiable. Not necessarily treatable, but certainly easily identifiable. A person is able to identify these on their own. But there's so many diseases that are very difficult to identify and pinpoint. You know, for instance, you can take the disease of pride. Pride. You know, many people think that they have pride, but maybe they don't have pride. Many people think they don't have pride, but then perhaps they do have pride. This is one of the most challenging diseases. Why? Shaitan loves this disease. He loves to create, he loves to instigate pride within a person. And then that person then perpetuates it. And then he uses that as a way to get others to to get a, to get a person to stop what they're doing because they think that what they're doing is a result of pride. So then they begin to stop their uh, their actions because of it. This is very common. You know, a person, for instance, will feel like you know every time they uh, come to the masjid uh, and people see them, they feel like in their heart that you know maybe I have pride and I want other people to see me. Um, I want other people to see me when I come to the masjid. So what do they start doing? They stop coming to the masjid altogether. They think that by, that by the, the solution to eliminating this pride within their heart is to stop coming to the masjid. A person, for instance, because of um, pride, let's say, um, uh, prevents themselves from giving uh, charity. So, for instance, there is an opportunity to give sadaqah and a person is about to give sadaqah, but they're looking and they're seeing that other people are watching them. So then they're saying, no, 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 if I give it now, then this is because I want other people to see me. So I'm just going to hold back my wealth and not give it. You know, a person, for instance, is, uh, you know, has, you know, maybe, let's say, good recitation of the Qur'an and they have a good understanding of the fiqh of salah. And they're with a group of people and uh, now they're told that, you know, you should lead the salah. But a person thinking in their mind, no, I shouldn't lead the salah. Maybe I have pride in my heart. If I have pride in my heart, then, then what's the purpose of me leading the salah? I shouldn't be the one that's leading the salah. I'm the worst person here. Someone else should lead the salah. Or, or better said, um, I, uh, I don't want other people to think I'm something special. So I'm not going to step forward and lead the salah. Even though perhaps I'm the most qualified. 
it's a subtlety, right? So then shaitan's telling you all of these things because he doesn't want you to perform that righteous deed, for instance, of leading the salah. I mean, leading the salah is one example, or you know, even reading the Qur'an, or whatever it might be. It's such a tricky disease that shaitan uses this as a way to stop you from performing disease d- deeds because he knows that people are fixated on on not showing off to other people because they feel like this is that important it is but people aren't but the average person isn't able to identify on their own uh, whether or not they have pride and shaitan uses this as a way to stop that person from performing deeds it's such a tricky disease that <clears throat> Um, by refraining from this is a very subtle point so maybe it'll hit maybe it won't but by refraining from performing some of these deeds especially in public it's a sign of pride in and of itself it's a sign of pride in and of itself because you think that you've figured out yourself you think that you think that you're more pious than the people that are there and you've recognized this that you've recognized pride you've recognized the importance of humility for instance so you aren't going to step forward and perform that deed you're better than other people because you're able to identify and know what pride is are you following is it making sense yeah. it's not no. it is yeah. so it's very challenging and the reason I'm saying this is because not because pride isn't a real disease it's because it's a tricky one that requires the assistance of a guide who can tell you look that's not pride or you know what you should you know you should give sadaqah even if people are watching that's actually going to combat your pride it's just, I mean we're getting very philosophical but um, maybe you get the point so that's that's one example hypocrisy for instance you know hypocrisy nifaq there's outward hypocrisy in which a person lies uh when they make a promise, they break it. Uh, and when something is entrusted, they break that trust. But uh, what about the hypocrisy? You know, that's deeply rooted within our hearts. How does a person identify that? You know, miserliness, for instance, giving giving wealth. How can a person identify if they're miserly or if they are actually just saving their wealth because they have some righteous, noble uh, endeavor? For instance, a person wants to save money for college. Right? And they want to avoid interest. But on the other hand, there's so many opportunities for them now to give their wealth for a righteous cause. Let's, you know, for a cause. And they have the opportunity to give all their wealth here. Or they have the thought that, well, maybe if I save my money, I'll be able to avoid taking an interest-bearing loan when I'm studying in a university. I mean, how, how do you differentiate between, am I being miserly by holding on to this wealth? Or am I doing something righteous by holding on to this wealth? It's very challenging. It's very tricky. Ostentation is also another challenging disease. Um, and one of the more challenging ones, which is actually the root of all diseases, according to many of the ulama uh, of, of, of qulub, of the heart, is, uh, is love for the dunya. How do I know that I have love for the dunya? How do I know that there's love for the dunya in my heart? Uh, it, 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 some, people, we go, some people think that they understand this disease very well. And they'll think that, you know, because I go to work, because I go to school, because I... Uh, I'm working toward a, you know, earning a uh, halal uh, income because I am driving a car that uh, that, that doesn't, you know, uh, uh, driving a car that um, uh, that is more than fifteen or twenty thousand dollars. That 
because I'm doing all of these things that my heart is addicted to the dunya and uh, I need to get all of these things out of my life. That's what a person thinks, right? Because they don't understand the principle of what love for the dunya means. But that's not what love for the dunya is. Love for the dunya is that you still engage in the dunya, but your heart isn't attached to that dunya. It's a subtlety, right? So a person who's making $200,000 uh, a year, let's say $300,000 a year, it, it doesn't mean that by default a person that's making that money has a love for the dunya in their heart. That's not the default. That's not the default. There are people who make $300,000, or there are people who make $5 million a year who have, uh, who are completely engrossed in the dunya. And then there are people who make $5 million a year who have no attachment to the dunya. No attachment to the dunya whatsoever. There's, meaning, there's no love for the dunya in their hearts whatsoever. How does a person identify this? So, one of the goals of this path is to remove these ills from our hearts and it requires the assistance of someone that can help monitor your progress and give feedback and, you know, focus on this, focus on that. Don't worry about what other people are thinking about you. Don't, uh, you know, uh, don't, don't suddenly, you know, drop out of school thinking that the school is all just dunya and, and there's no use for it. What's the point? This, the akhirah is what matters. Let me just remove myself from, from everything. You know, let me, because I have this love for the dunya in my heart, so I'm just going to go uh, sit in a mountain somewhere and, and just sit there and do dhikr from now and for the next 20, 30 years. So, uh, identifying the disease is challenging. Uh, treating the disease is, is, is challenging. Um, and it requires assistance. So, the first goal is, uh, or the first sub-goal is purifying the heart. Why? Because Because we'll have to present a, a, a devoted heart to Allah. We have to present a sound heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. And one of the goals of this path is, is purification of the heart. The second goal is, or, or a second sub-goal, is to create a desire within the heart to perform deeds. It's to create a desire within the heart to perform deeds. Now, if we look at our life, most of us, myself included, when we perform deeds, our deeds we perform because they are a burden or a responsibility placed upon us. The reason that the vast majority of people, not the vast majority, but the reason that, a good, that the majority of people pray Salah is because it's a responsibility or a burden placed upon them. But a person who focuses on Allah Ta'ala and focuses uh, on their uh, dhikr, etc., they develop a desire to perform deeds in their heart. So now salah becomes a pleasure, it's no longer a burden. Salah is a pleasure, it's no longer a burden. The taraweeh prayer at night, which is for many people just a wait for us to tire our legs out and, and take a nap during the sujood, it becomes a pleasure, it's no longer a burden. The fasts that are 17, 18 hours long, that anyone, you can ask anyone on the street, you know, I'm fa uh, to fast for this long, they'll, they'll say, are you crazy? And in fact, many people ask, you know, ask us, what are you doing to yourself? What, what are you thinking? Why would you, why would you do this for 16, 17 hours? That's just, that's just craziness. So the fast moves away from being a burden to becoming a pleasure. So that a person desires to fast. Resetting the Qur'an is no longer a responsibility or a burden. Right? It's not because your parents are making you do it. It's not because other people in the masjid are doing it that you now have to do it. It's not for some other ulterior motive. Rather, recitation of the Qur'an becomes a pleasure. You look forward to taking the Qur'an off the shelf and reciting it, thinking, oh, this is, this is actually something I enjoy. You know, or other, you know, it's almost become, it almost becomes like a form of entertainment for us. 
Right. The way we um, can sit in, in front of the internet and watch something for an, two hours, the way we can sit and watch, you know, a basketball game for three or four hours uh, without without turning anything off, without moving, how we enjoy and take pleasure in that experience. A person who focuses on their heart and, and makes Allah Ta'ala their goal, their deeds then move away from being a burden or a responsibility, and it then moves toward becoming a pleasure. The burden is placed sometimes by our parents. Sometimes we just feel this burden that you know the deen is about doing this and not doing that and doing this and not doing that, and, and we, we isolate it to that. So then we put that burden upon ourselves. But a person that really engages in, uh, in the path of, of, of tazkiyah, the path of suluk, will over time begin to realize that they're now enjoying their deeds. Coming to i'tikaf in the masjid, it's a pleasure for them. They look forward months in advance, when is i'tikaf going to happen? I can't wait to go back to the masjid to perform i'tikaf. Going to the masjid for salah, it's no longer a responsibility that I have to go, I have to go, I can't. It's that, no, no, I want to go to the masjid now. My Allah is there, I desire to go to the masjid. So a second goal, a sub-goal, is that a person, within that person, a desire to perform deeds is then created. The third sub-goal is that a love for Allah Ta'ala is then created within their heart. A love for Allah Ta'ala is created in the heart. Allah Ta'ala says about those people that believe, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبَّ لِلَّهِ They are firm, they are shadeed, they are very strong in their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, oftentimes when we hear lectures or talks, or when we perceive uh, in our minds or think about Allah ta'ala, uh, fear is the dominant theme. Fear of Allah, fear of Allah, be fearful of Allah, be worried about meeting Allah ta'ala. You know, fear is the dominant theme. The khutbas talk about this, you know, our parents have taught us this, you know, as children, etc. But the other aspect uh, of our perception is is loving Allah Taala. Ashadu hubba lillah that we should be uh, that we should have a strong love for Allah Taala in our hearts. It isn't that we negate fear. It's almost like a pendulum. You have to swing back and forth between fear of Allah and love for Allah. But the love for Allah Taala is a component that must be in our hearts. And uh, how do we bring the love for Allah Taala into our hearts? How do we bring the love for Allah Taala into our hearts? And this is uh, this path is the way by which a person can bring. Allah Ta'ala into their hearts. So the sub-goals, the ultimate goal of suduq, of tazkiyah, of the soul, is to please Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. And the sub-goals are number one, to purify the heart of its ills and diseases. Number two, it's to create a desire within the heart to perform deeds so that deeds are no longer a burden. They become a pleasure. And the third is to create a love for Allah Ta'ala in our heart. Why? Because, uh, because this is uh, how Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala describes Himself. The believers should love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, that's that's the first thing I wanted to cover. The second thing, and this one shouldn't take long, inshallah. The second question that often comes to mind. So the first question is, what is the goal? The second question that often comes to mind is, how do I know that I'm actually making progress? You know, I'm now doing dhikr, I'm now doing muraqabah, I'm now reciting Quran, etc. I'm making an effort, and I've connected myself with the teacher. How do I know that I'm making progress? Are there any special feelings that should come into my life? Should I begin to feel a certain way? When, you know, when I sleep at night, should I start seeing dreams of the haram? Should I start seeing dreams of myself, you know, flying through the air toward Jannah? Is this, is this what I'll begin to see? Um, are there any 
miracles that I'll now begin to witness? This is, you know, a question people ask. I'm now making, I've now started this progress. I'm not seeing these things. I'm not seeing these changes. You know, when I sit in a group dua, I'm, am I supposed to now just be crying out of control? Is this, uh, I'm not getting that feeling when I'm sitting in a, in a dua. Um, how do I know that I'm making progress? In fact, if I feel like I'm not making progress. And the answer is very simple. The only determinant of a person's progress <coughs> along this path is that the Qur'an and Sunnah begin to enter into your life. That's it. That's it. There's no special feelings. There's no special emotions that you'll experience. You, your, your desire to perform deeds will increase. Your love for Allah Ta'ala will increase. But the only way to determine if, a, if you're making progress is if the Qur'an, the teachings of the Qur'an, the rules of the Qur'an, the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if these things begin to enter into your life, and the sunnah of the Prophet the tradition and the way of the Prophet begin to enter into your life, then you know you're making progress. So you, you can gauge yourself, you know, three months ago I was this way, and now three months later, I've, these things have entered into my life. Alhamdulillah, I'm now making progress. Two years ago, I wasn't following the sunnah. Two years ago, I wasn't coming to the masjid. Two years ago, I wasn't reciting Qur'an. Two years ago, I uh, was not respectful toward my parents. Two years ago, I wasn't regular in giving sadaqah. Two years ago, I ignored the rights of my neighbors. And today, I'm now engaged in the Qur'an. Today, I'm closer to, uh, I have a deeper and stronger relationship with my parents. Today, I, I'm coming to the masjid more frequently. Today, I'm now reading more Qur'an. Except when if a person's able to see this progress over time, over the course of uh, you know a set period of time, then they know that Alhamdulillah, I'm making progress toward Allah Taala, and I'm making progress along along this path. That's it. That's that's the determinant of progress. And if anyone tells you anything otherwise, then it's, then, then they're deceiving you. The goal the the goal is the pleasure of Allah Taala. The measure is the Quran and Sunnah entering into our life. Quran and Sunnah entering, entering into our life. May Allah Ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq to become close to Him and become near to Him. May Allah Ta'ala allow us to understand our goals in this world and our goal of pleasing Him before we pass away. And may Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala allow every single person in this gathering uh, to make tremendous progress toward Him. Wa akhru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.